It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 5 Hello. And you street. Hey y'all. Well, it's, uh, we're coming off the bye week. Uh, I would love to say that Minnesota, well, can we say Minnesota won the bye week since all the really tough news happened after the bye week was officially over? Yeah, I think we can say Minnesota won the bye week and is currently losing this week <laughs> okay losing nebraska week we've won the bye week currently losing nebraska week uh as you hopefully not hopefully ha- have heard i guess that sounds excited i'm not excited but uh curtis dunlap jr has decided to enter the transfer portal and will not be playing further for minnesota uh also additionally we'll we'll talk about this as well uh trey potts is officially out for the year due to the unspecified injury he suffered during the end of the Purdue game. Uh, but let's start with with Dunlap. Obviously, you know, offensive line was an area that I think generally we felt was a potential strength or certainly at least a returning area of success uh, for the Gophers. Dunlap was supposed to be a big part of that. Uh, and now the Gophers will be without him. Other than the, you know, obvious, hey, they're down a guy, um, what uh, what do you really see this doing to the Gopher offense? And I'll, I'll start with Street. I don't know. I'm sure the basic version is they probably will rotate fewer people. Perhaps a consequence of rotating fewer people is they will have less quote-unquote jumbo packages, which thus far this year have generally been garbage anyway. Uh, though I don't think it is obviously the case that when you lose a starting lineman, not great. While it is true this year, the Gophers both have a lot more depth on the offensive line than they have in years past. And as I suspect Andy will mention in the actual flipping of this, have someone who could be inserted onto the right side of the line who is very good. It's not awesome. On the other hand, I do not think the primary reason why the University of Minnesota football team's offense is at best anemic has much to do with who is playing right guard. Andy, like, what do you see? Like, what is your projected shift for how the line looks? Well, it'll be interesting to see. You know, um, it, looking at some of the stats that have come out after after Dunlap uh, was announced, he's going into the portal. I mean, of, of the Gophers, I guess you could argue six starting linemen as they've been pretty much rotating six guys through five spots all season long. Uh, Dunlap's pro football focus ratings are six out of six out of them. Um, both run blocking and pass blocking. So, you know, he hasn't been as effective coming off of his Achilles injury uh, he suffered last season as, as much as you'd hoped. Um, but what it really probably does, and, and, you know, this may be one of the reasons why he left, is, is the uh, the offensive line room may have had a, a come-to-Jesus conversation deciding that they weren't going to do the uh, rotation anymore. And, and Dunlap might have been the uh, the 
lone man out, uh, relegated back to to the bench, uh, which is why he may be taking off. But um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna see a pretty steady starting five of, of you know Sam Schluter at your left tackle, uh, probably Connor Olson at left guard, uh, John Michael Schmitz at center, Blaze Andrews at right guard, and then Daniel Falalele at right tackle. Uh, now you could see Olson Olson and Andrews potentially flip sides, uh, just so you don't have you know, absolute giant overload of the right-hand side with, with Andres and Falalele. But, um, you know, they, like I said, they've been rotating it through all along. I think Blaze has played, you know, some snaps at left tackle, some snaps at, at right guard, some snaps at, at left guard this season. He's been bouncing all around. So, um, you know, I think the one positive you're going to see is you're going to see a lot more continuity. Um, you know, that's one of the things that Minnesota may have struggled with, especially if we've seen some of them, you know, slipping up on some of these on these twists and and, you know, maneuvers that defenses have pulled on the Gophers that you'd think they should be able to handle. Well, a lot of that comes down to communication. And if you're finding a different guy next to you every other series, it can be a little complicated to potentially you know get your communication and timing down so i think i think we'll see you know a much more standard five-man set um axel rushmeyer who played quite a bit quite a bit in 2019 um after some injuries on the offensive line basically becomes the the sixth swing man right now um so if the gophers do go jumbo and i think they still will go jumbo in, in several situations you'll see him He'll end the line as the sixth man and he becomes the the first sub if there are any injuries uh down the line um, you know, hopefully, as we said, hopefully this will allow them to get a little bit more continuity. Tanner will feel a little bit more comfortable back there and be able to, uh, to have a little bit more success in the passing game. PJ Fleck in his, in his radio show today said, this will be the first time this North, uh, Nebraska game that Minnesota will have all three of its slated starting receivers in, uh, Chris Hotman Bell, Daniel Jackson, and and Dalen Wright healthy and on the field for both a week of practice and the game. Knock on wood that nobody gets hurt between now and Saturday. So hopefully this will be, you know, you've got a, a set offensive line and if Tanner can work with them and has worked with them throughout, you know, bye week and everything like that. And and we've got all of our receivers back. And so hopefully, um, especially obviously now that we're down uh, another starting running back, uh, we might be able to see the pass game uh, have a bit more success this week as long as somebody takes the five bits of broken chair trophy to the uh wildcat i don't i don't want to see that anymore that's i'm just putting that out putting that out there you can stop calling the wildcat it's also not a wildcat the second you actually have a quarterback under center which cole kramer most certainly is and whether or not he'll actually ever be allowed to throw out of that package unclear but definitionally no longer a wildcat either. Well, I, I do think, A, to, to make you sad, Chris, I think you're going to see actually more of the wildcat now. Um, no. Because the Gophers have actually had some decent success running. It's with Cole Kramer uh, and uh, Williams back there as sort of a lead running back. Um, the addition is, as we've said, you know, Kramer is a quarterback, so even more so than Seth Green in past years, you actually do have a legitimate passing threat back there. So I do think that is part of the benefit. They they started out running the Wildcat earlier this year with, with Ibrahim and Potts and then Potts alone. Uh, now, since they've been running with Kramer, you legitimately have a passing threat. So I do think that will be a part of a game plan here at some point between now and the end of the season is you will see, you know, Cole Kramer 
fake the run and and throw whether it be to the tight end or whether it be to a receiver or something like that and i do think honestly you know it it has worked and if minnesota doesn't you know overuse it and you do show that you have that passing threat with kramer back there it can be an effective tool uh where we've seen it in the past though is i mean we were clamoring for seth green to throw the damn ball for two years and he finally did a couple of times because i mean the defense eventually keys in that, okay, he's going to run the ball up the middle. And, I mean, you can figure that out pretty fast. So I do think that, you know, if they are going to run that package, that Sanford's got to put in a couple of, of planned passes for Kramer just to keep the defense honest. And if they can do that, then I do think it can be a successful package. Still do not want, I mean, if I trusted that they would actually throw from it, I do not trust that. Do not want. Of course, if they actually threw from it, you may as well just keep your starting quarterback on the field and run it in some form of a read option. But that is neither here nor there. Well, I mean, you could, but let's be honest. We've seen both Tanner and Kramer run. Kramer is a better runner. Kramer is mean, a substantially better runner. Don't get me don't get me wrong. This is my sort of annoyance, perhaps shared, perhaps not, with Chris about that particular package, which is it's one thing if the person who is behind is Seth Green and you need a yard. Because really what you're saying there is, I want a huge body to fall forward. Maybe, maybe not at some point. I might throw to the tight ends if someone doesn't cover him, but probably not. When you bring in Cole Kramer, so you just bring in a regular quarterback, certainly a much better runner, but if all you're ever going to do is have it be basically a QB draw, that's functionally what that package turns into, since I don't actually recall that they have ever handed the ball off. For that matter, I don't actually recall they did it even under Seth Green. But certainly when Ibrahim and Potts were running it, I can't recall if they ever handed the ball off to the running back who was not the direct snap receiver. So if all Cole Kramer is going to do is run the ball, you might as well set up a situation for which people have to at least honor the fact that you might pass. But then again, this team seems to recruit 15 wide receivers every cycle and never throw to them. So what do I know? Yeah, I'd be happier with a slant. Quick slant. Anyway. All right, Trey Potts officially out for the year. Um, As we noted at the top, there is not a defined reason for why he's out. I mean, he was in the hospital for, I believe, five days in West Lafayette. Uh, so, you know, definitely a serious deal, whatever it is. Um, we're certainly not going to speculate. Speculating is the dumbest and frankly, most irresponsible thing you could do in this case. The kid got hurt, got hurt seriously, thankfully appears to be recovering well. Uh, and frankly, that's all that matters. He's out for the season. I don't really care why it happened. I just want the kid to be well. Not from any football perspective, just to be well uh, and to be able to move on with uh, his life with or without football. We don't know what that means yet. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, more information will continue to come out, uh, but it's not going to come from P.J. Fleck. It's going to come from Trey Potts and his family if they feel compelled to share. Uh, and if they don't, good on them. And, you know, we wish Trey Potts nothing but the best. I really don't know what else to say about it. I just get really pissed off when people sit there and try to make up reasons that they don't have any idea what happened. And that's 
end my rant. Good rant. I mean, I do. We do. We do all agree that it is seriously, and and I mean, PJ Fleck again in his radio show basically, you know, intonated that as much as as he can, saying you know he actually was transferred from a West Lafayette hospital to an Indianapolis hospital for a few days. So we know it definitely was serious. He is on the mend. He's back home. His family's still here, and PJ said hopefully he'll be back with the team here soon. Uh, you know, sort of in a in a you know watching him practice, hanging out, not a, actually practicing and playing capacity, but. Um, so I think that's that's all good news, and yeah, we we obviously want him to to get back to as close to nor- normal or as close to normal as possible as soon as he possibly can. And uh, you know, I think everybody would love to see him on the sidelines, just like I mean, I think we the, seeing what what Mo Ibrahim has been doing on the sidelines on his scooter out there, almost acting as another offensive coach. You know, just the just the sight of Potts out there in that similar situation, I think, would be great to see as we get to the. Uh, closer to the end of the season so hopefully we get to see that but um yeah i mean he's out for the year it is what it is and and minnesota now has to turn to uh, a pair of freshman running backs who most likely are going to be picking up the slack and and taking control of this uh, rushing offense for the last uh you know seven plus games of the season so um you know bucky irving and, and kai thomas it's it's your time to shine and and hopefully they can uh you know, again, going back to the offensive line, we got a we got a more stable offensive line here, and hopefully they can uh, figure out and find some holes and find some gaps and and uh, try and you know jump up and and take that number one spot to heart. Well, you know, I think it it leads itself to the question of how does this offense perform against uh, Nebraska this weekend? Uh, you know. Blake normally uh, here to give us our preview. I think he's still ducking Blake's Blake. We ask Blake a hockey question, uh, but until he returns, I, I'm going to turn it right back to you, Andy, to ably fill in for uh, for Blake on the preview. In your mind, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing Minnesota when going against Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, the biggest challenge for Minnesota is going to be trying to get a consistent offense. I mean, Nebraska's defense has really improved this year from what we've seen. Uh, P.J. Fleck, again, his radio show was talking about how they've had the same sort of core for the last couple of years, and they're all coming into their own, you know, very similar to how, how the Gopher defense did uh, back in 2019. They had a lot of quality players that had been in the program for a long time and finally came in. Um, you know, Nebraska's defense isn't uh, – is in a top 10 in the country by any means they're they're in the middle of the pack uh they're giving up about 135 rushing yards a game and 200 passing yards a game but they've also held three top 10 teams to less than single possession games um so i mean admittedly nebraska's defense is playing really well and minnesota's gonna have to figure out what type of offense they're gonna be able to pull off against the Cornhuskers. i mean you're bringing in two running backs who have had, you know, relative success against Colorado, haven't had really as much success since then the last couple of weeks. Um, you've got a passing game that hasn't quite fully clicked. We saw more downfield shots against Purdue last or two weeks ago than we'd seen all season up to then. So uh, can the Gopher offense click against the Nebraska defense? I mean, that's that's what it's going to be. I think the Gopher defense is probably going to be able to hold their own, as we've seen so far most of the way through the season. Uh, the defense has done a pretty good job. Um, obviously, Nebraska's got some playmakers. You know, we, we joke Adrian Martinez and, and has been um, – 
not great the last few years, but even he's seemed to be picking things up, you know, and, and he's always been good with his legs. That's not been the problem. It's been his arm. Um, so obviously Minnesota is going to have to be uh, pretty careful about watching the quarterback run. Apparently Nebraska runs some version of the triple option now as well. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to be ready to see multiple fronts and multiple sets. But uh, I, I have more confidence in the in the Gopher defense against the Nebraska offense than I do on the other side. That's for sure. I will just note, not mildly, here that while it is true that the Nebraska defense is sort of better than one might expect, it is a little bit rich to suggest that oh well, it's because they've taken these top ten teams because Michigan State is hysterically overrated right now. Uh, Michigan is probably overrated as well, uh, and Oklahoma is bad. They, so, in- I mean, it, admittedly, <laughs> they may be bad, but I would take any one of those three offenses over ours right now. Yes. Oh, don't get me wrong. When I say they're bad, I don't mean that I don't think Oklahoma would put up a boatload of points uh, against Minnesota. They certainly would. I more mean that these are not like it is not the Oklahoma of you know say two or three years ago that is showing up it is wholly unclear to me why michigan state is a top 10 team right now that is mind-blowing to me and i don't i think that michigan's performance against nebraska was strange and that could be that nebraska just was doing a very good job but i found that a strange game to watch let's say my default whenever Michigan does something strange is that Jim Harbaugh and his staff are fucking up. And I think that's a prior that's shown relatively strong correlation to truth. Uh, can't, you know, this is a single incident. We'll see how it plays out this weekend. But when in doubt, just assume Michigan's coaching staff is fucking up somehow. Yeah, I think Nebraska against Michigan, too, also uh, had a very timely interception and so that was you know that was useful i think as well Uh, and so that game was closer at the end than it probably should have been Uh, i don't think that nebraska's 22 point third quarter was a a little bit of an aberration from the overall game all of which is, is separately to say whether or not minnesota will be able to score in this game in which i continue to not see any reason to believe that the offensive structure of the university of minnesota football team is good at all so having all three receivers is great does that mean that they will actually be passed to and if they are passed to will they be running routes that don't take six seconds to come open unclear much like i do not want to see wildcat as a general rule or you know cold cat or whatever we're calling it i would really like to see the return of quick passes plays that have worked extremely well for Minnesota in the past uh, against teams like, say, Nebraska. Yeah. Just saying. Maybe just we'll start saying. running jet sweeps all of a sudden, again, just like a throwback from a couple of years ago on top of it. What I find just immensely strange about how the University of Minnesota offense is also structured is one of the things that does seem very clearly true is that the University of Minnesota football team enjoys running on first and second down regardless. Do you know what also works as a run? A quick four-yard out. But then it's one-on-one in space. 
That's a ball that Tanner Morgan is very good at throwing. Tanner Morgan is not tremendously good at throwing the sort of deep shot. Yeah, you've pretty much hit upon why I would like to see that return to the offensive game plan. They had an extra week. Who knows what happened? Maybe they maybe they will take a page out of uh, what I'm led to believe is was the only good part of the Vikings offense last year, the sort of short to intermediate throw game, and just do that all game. That would be nice. Even one would be kind of cool. All right, it's Nebraska week, which means it is also broken chair week. If you have not yet donated, uh, a reminder, the Daily Gopher is in no way getting anything from the ch- the broken charity drive. Uh, this is 100% a um, fundraiser that goes directly to, uh, on the Minnesota side, the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital, which is also working with uh, Gopher Casey O'Brien uh, to build a new infusion center, uh, but also on the Nebraska side, the Team Jack Foundation. Uh, as of earlier today, um, actually as of like 10 minutes ago, uh, Minnesota was actually quite a ways behind in the fundraising, uh, having raised just under $7,400, while Nebraska, uh, in large part thanks, not in large part, but in part thanks to a very generous uh, challenge donation, uh, is now at almost $11,200. Um the, the first thing to say is just a great job to all the fan bases for um, being supportive. This is the most money already with many days left uh, in this week uh, before the game. This is the most single uh, season dollar amount raised uh, as they're over 17000 uh, in the uh, Broken Charities history. Uh, and we would encourage Gopher fans who have not yet donated to take an opportunity to go to BrokenChairTrophy.com and get their uh, donation in uh, before Saturday. Uh, it's an opportunity just to participate in a fun little uh, historical rivalry thing that's been going on now for we are in the sixth year. Just good times all around. I'm uh, excited as always for the Broken Chair Trophy portion of this week. And it would be wonderful if some quick slants or any other innovative offensive game plans allowed the chair to quotes uh, stay with the University of Minnesota, although it you know is not officially sanctioned and has to live in the, the shadows for right now. We are excited uh, as the blog to announce the return of Homefield Apparel as a podcast sponsor. Uh, not familiar with Homefield? Uh, they're going to have stuff that you love to wear. Comfortable gear, cool vintage designs. Uh, everyone on the blog freaking loves this stuff. You may recall from the pod earlier this summer how, how over the moon we were that they were uh, finally releasing Minnesota stuff. Nothing makes us happier than great gopher gear. So if you want some of your own, use the code DAILYGOPHER during checkout at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off your first purchase with the good brand. That is code DAILYGOPHER at homefieldapparel.com. Hockey, Andy. Uh, I don't know how to feel about hockey. It didn't seem like the men did as well against Mercyhurst as we had planned. Although they did get the sweep, and the women split against UMD. So I'm not clear after last week's, you know, got to do better talk if that's good enough. Fill me in. Yeah, I mean, we'll start with the men. Um, 
Yeah, they they did pick up the sweep over, sweep over Mercyhurst. They won uh, seven to four on Friday night and five to three on Saturday. Um, lessons we learned from the weekend: this team can score goals. Uh, yeah, they 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 have a high powered offense, and um, this freshman class is going to be really good. Matthew Knees uh, knocked in his first two. Uh, collegiate goals on Friday and then uh, added at least an assist on Saturday. Uh, Chaz Lucius had a couple assists on the weekend, couldn't quite uh, get one in the net himself. But, um, yeah, this freshman class is is living up to the hype through the first weekend, and so I think that's definitely a positive. Uh, negatives are uh, the Gopher defense looked horrible at times this weekend. Um it, admittedly, you know, they have a lot of either two-way or four, or offensively-minded defensemen between Jackson Lacombe, Ryan Johnson, and Brock Faber. And and, uh, and and it looked that way a lot this weekend. Uh, there were a couple of times where with Johnson and Lacombe made just horrible passes that ended up costing them. Lacombe started off the game Saturday night with a horrible turnover and then followed that up by taking a horrible penalty, which allowed Mercyhurst to score on their first power play of the game just a couple minutes into the game. Uh, they'd actually make it 2 nothing before the Gophers would claw back and, and take over as their talent was significantly higher. Um, another thing to watch and be a little concerned about going forward is, is Jack LaFontaine. Obviously, we uh, said you know earlier this team will go as far as Jack LaFontaine can take them. Uh, he didn't look great on the weekend. Now, how much of that was his defense leaving him hung out to dry and how much of that was him just not seeing the puck? We'll have to see. Uh, but he definitely uh, was not as sharp as you might have expected him to be after the season he had last year. Um, he did, you know, let in a couple of weaker goals, and and I mean his his save percentage. He was uh, was I think second or third in the nation in save percentage last year. This weekend alone is going to put a huge dent in his chance to come anywhere close, as his save percentage is probably hovering in the low ninety uh, percent range. I would guess, if not even a little bit lower. Uh, at one point Saturday, he had allowed three goals on six shots, which um, you can do the math on that one. Not not so hot. Um, but they did get the sweep. Uh, they are 2-0. They remain number four in the national poll this week. Uh, and we will have a, uh idea after this weekend how much closer they are to the top teams as uh, number two St. Cloud State uh, comes into uh, Mariucci Friday night, and then they take the drive up uh, I-94 to play at the National Hockey Center uh, in St. Cloud on Saturday. Uh, St. Cloud just split a series down in Mankato with number one Minnesota State this past weekend. Um, they've got a ton of talent. Uh, it's you know it, this will be a legitimate test for the Gophers. Can their offense keep up? I think they can. But their defense is going to have to play a hell of a lot better than they did last weekend, or else the Gophers are going to get into a shootout and they're going to end up, you know, playing one of these eight-six type games where they very easily could end up on the wrong side of things. So, um, definitely things to work at. Blake McLaughlin ended up being the Big Ten third star of the week, uh, goal and four assists. He and Sammy Walker had uh, their usual great chemistry. Uh, so hopefully the Gopher men can continue that into the weekend against the Huskies. Split? Are we okay with that against UMD for the women? Yeah, I mean, up in Duluth is always a tough place to play. They bounced back after their uh, their loss to Ohio State. They they took control and, and won on Friday in a game that, I mean, Minnesota took the lead two and a half minutes into the game and really held control, winning 3-1. to one. Um, You know, never really uh, showed any uh, 
anything worrisome in that game. Um, but then Saturday was a whole other thing as, as Minnesota had to claw back from a three-goal deficit. Uh, they scored twice in the last three minutes of the third period to force overtime when UMD would win the game uh, 5-4 in overtime, uh, the Gophers getting one point out of that series. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it's it's – Minnesota and UMD are probably fairly evenly matched teams this year, and they're going to be in a dogfight for that third and fourth spot in the WCHA all season long. Uh, the Gophers, you know, did get the one extra point four to two um, this weekend. And they'll play another big series, obviously, in Minneapolis later in the year. Um, but I think it's undeniable that Wisconsin and Ohio State are definitely, uh, you know, ahead of both these teams. And, uh, the Gophers just need to do what they need to do to to continue to uh, to claw away and and stay in that third WCHA spot and, and sneak their way back into the NCAA tournament because obviously the WCHA is the strongest conference in college hockey and they should get three solid teams in the NCAA tournament. Um, so it'll be probably a fight between the Gophers and Bulldogs for that fourth spot. Uh, you can give weekend one to the Gophers barely, but you can give weekend one to the Gophers, um, and hopefully they can continue. Um, and now they just need to do what they do, and that is beat up on the, the weaker teams of the conference. I think I, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I think uh, Nate Wells uh, at Gopher State on Twitter posted it after Friday night's win against Duluth that Minnesota is something like in the last five years in the WCHA, there's something like 93-3-2 against teams not named Ohio State and Wisconsin, which is just, insane so the gophers will hopefully continue to beat up on on bad teams uh they've got a uh weekend series this weekend against minnesota state uh it will be a uh i believe it's a home and home uh yes it's a home and home they play at ritter uh friday night and they go down to mankato on saturday uh minnesota state's not very good although they did take uh they did split with uh umd the first weekend so it's one of those series that minnesota should win both games no problem but if they have one of their off nights uh there's no reason why the the purple cows couldn't try and steal a point or two so uh hopefully minnesota will continue to to write things and and uh get back and uh take care of uh, a very sweepable weekend against minnesota state it's almost time for predictions but before we get there i want to get us into what made us laugh over the bye week uh, for me, it was the many faces of Scott Frost. He had some absolutely hilarious reactions uh, caught on camera during the loss to Michigan, and I am here for every moment of it. Hopefully more to come this weekend. Uh, Street, what were you entertained by? Alabama lost, so automatically that becomes the thing <laughs> that was most enjoyable. They also lost in a particularly amusing way in that I don't think Texas A&M is a very good football team. Admittedly, this year, I'm actually not sure if any team is a particularly good football team. Maybe Georgia, secretly. But Georgia, I don't know if they've played anyone to actually justify that yet. And I don't believe, for example, that Iowa is a good football team because they very much would have lost that game had Sean Clifford not gotten injured. But I would say Alabama losing, Alabama losing late, Alabama losing because they're turning over the ball instead of getting a touchdown or making kind of silly mistakes, causing Saban to have sort of mini nuclear anger, hot takes, like all of that stuff is hilarious. I think you summed it up pretty well with uh, 
Alabama losing because that's a great starting point. All the other things are great, but Alabama losing is a is a pretty great starting point. Andy, what uh, what what made you smile this past weekend? Well, just the end of the uh, Texas Oklahoma cluster of a game. Watching Texas jumping out really big on Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma going to their backup quarterback, and and just the the drama, and and you know watching both teams try as hard as they can to lose that game before before Oklahoma finally uh, pulled it off and, and got the win and, and watching the uh, the Texas fans reactions uh, was was pretty entertaining um, another thing going as, as street brought up the the Iowa uh, if you haven't read it yet off tackle Empire has an article that they posted on on Tuesday uh, their authoritative guide to the Hawkeye fan an anthropological study of the species that is literally laugh out loud hilarious Um you need to go check that out, especially if you are uh, not a fan of Iowa fans, as I would assume the vast majority of our, our podcast listeners uh, are not. Um, you you need to read this. It is it is pure, pure gold. I especially liked how uh, Texas managed to lose in what I feel is basically the most excruciating fashion. Yeah, I mean it's really quite likely that Oklahoma would have won on the field goal had they just had Texas, you know, contained uh, that last run, but it's college kickers. There's always a chance that something goes wrong. Uh, And somehow I also think like you can kind of mentally prepare yourself for that letdown. You have a little bit of time as the kicker's getting ready to go. Oh, this is over. I'm now preparing myself for sadness. And if he happens to miss, then you get euphoria. But instead to be like, just what well, the game was going and there was just a little chance of hope to why didn't anyone tackle anything touchdown with one second left? I, I thought that was an especially joyful gut punch. And uh, here's to you Sooners. Predictions. Um, Blake has his prediction up. Uh, or sorry, will have his prediction up with the... Um, preview when it posts, so look for that. In the meantime, I'm going to get uh, Andy. I want to. I want to hear your prediction for the game against Nebraska. Yeah, you know this is one of those ones that it's 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 tough to figure out and and trying to figure out. Uh, you know, PJ Fleck is two and two coming out of the bye week. He lost his first two. They've won two in a row. If you can count, you know, the bye week last year, which wasn't really a bye week. It was a, hey, we have to cancel two games because we all got COVID week. Uh, But they did come out and they beat Nebraska after their quote-unquote bye week, down 21 men. Um, You know, uh, I, I... do think that Nebraska obviously is playing slightly better than Minnesota is right now, but Nebraska keeps losing in slightly frustrating and hysterical fashion. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say Minnesota got their shit together over bye week. They got things figured out. They got things fixed. The number 30 or 31 has sort of been an interesting number for the Gophers. The Gophers scored 31 in their first two games, obviously losing to Ohio State and then winning against my Ohio. Then they scored 30 against Colorado. And then they combined for 30 in their next two games, scoring 10 against Bowling Green and 20 against Purdue. So we're going to keep that 30 theme going. 
I predict Minnesota will beat Nebraska 31-30. to 30. Interesting choice. Street? Not to disagree with my esteemed colleague, but there is never anything frustrating about Nebraska losing. I am going to suggest currently looking at this at um, Tuesday evening, the total point number is 48, and I'm going to say bet the under on that. I will go with... I'm feeling I'm feeling another late loss coming on for Nebraska, uh, which I think should be sufficiently enraging to their fan base uh, and sufficiently detrimental to Scott Frost's employment hopes. Um, well, maybe not sufficiently. I don't know that it gets him fired at any point, or, but certainly wouldn't help anything. Uh, but let's go 24-21 Minnesota um, with just enough offense to keep us all from going completely insane. Feels feels about right. Uh, as I said, watch for Blake's preview later this week on The Daily Gopher. Uh, get over to Off Tackle Empire, read that funny Iowa post. Uh, make sure to go to brokenchairtrophy.com to get your donation in uh, to support the Minnesota, uh, University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. And in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky Yuma. Row the boat.